Walking effectively. I was reading this week about walking effectively. If you can walk effectively, it's good for your heart, for diabetes, your bones, your mind. Um, Sounds like it's pretty good for everything, isn't it? Your thoughts. But to walk effectively, they say you need to work up to where you're walking 30 minutes a day, walking briskly. I thought this was interesting. To define briskly, they said you can talk, but you cannot sing. And I thought, I can't sing if I'm talking uh, underwater in the pool or wherever. So I don't understand that, but I understand what they were trying to say. But one of the keys was walking effectively to, for it to benefit you. In other words, walking to the icebox to get a, a candy bar or walking just to get the remote every four hours is not probably what constitutes walking effectively. Well, this evening we're going to be in a little book of 2 John chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. 2 John chapter 2, 1 through 6. We're starting a five-week series in 2 and 3 John. If you don't know where they are, if you can find Revelation and flip back just a little bit, you will find them. It's 1 John, then 2 John, 3 John. By the way, there's not a chapter 2. I was just messing with you. Uh, If you find it, let us know because no one ever before in the history of the Bible has found 2 John chapter 2. And you have just created a discovery. It's going to help us pay for the children building right off the, you know, just for, we're going to pay it off for free. So... Second John, what is the background and the history? Clayton, hand me my little pointer there. I'm going to need that in just a moment. Second John, we believe. Well, look, let's look in verse 1. Let's get us started. It says, uh, The elder to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth, not only I, but also all who know the truth. We'll go back to this in just a second. The, the elder... We, we feel with certainty this was John who wrote, God used him to write the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. This is Peter, James, and John, one of Jesus' three closest guys. He was the longest living disciple. He lived to the, almost the end of the first century, and we believe this book was written, obviously, after 1 John, around 85 to 90 A.D., so it was a late book. He was an older, older man at this time. He says the elder, that churches differ, denominations differ on what an elder is, but Southern Baptists have historically believed that the elder, the bishop, the pastor, overseer is one person. Uh, are, you know, in like a church our size, you get a bigger church, it's multiple people. It's, it's the ministers, the elder. It can mean an older person, but certainly in the, the context, or it can mean a leader of a city. In this context, it would almost certainly be talking about a church leader, and we believe it was John. Let me show you. We, we believe the book, he wrote this from Ephesus. Uh, there is Ephesus, and that it originally went to Pergamum right there. This is in Central Asia, what is uh, Turkey today. There is Ephesus. You know that from the book of Ephesians. And uh, the book of Acts talks about Paul's ministry in Ephesus. So it originally went there. Uh, so that gives you, this is Turkey, modern-day Turkey. It gives you a little bit of a context of the, the history. Now let's go back and look at verse 1 because this is... Uh, this is interesting, to the elder, the elder to the chosen lady and her children. How many of you, is that a little bit stumping when you read that? Are you, oh yeah, I know the, you know, the, the chosen lady and her kids, I know those. What does that mean, the chosen lady and her children? Is that some kind of a Calvinistic predestination? This is a chosen lady and other people were not chosen? Well, no, that's not it. The, the, the history 
And the, the different understandings of what the chosen lady might have been is, uh, is pretty interesting. Some actually say maybe this was Mary, the mother of Jesus, who was still alive and that John was writing to her. Now, she'd have been a super geezer at this point. I mean, she'd have been really, 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 really. I mean, this is going to the nursing home in Pergamon if it was Mary. I don't believe it was Mary. Some people actually believe that chosen lady is two Greek words that made up a proper name, electa uh, Syria. So he was writing to a lady named Electa Syria. I don't think that is it. Some people believe he was writing to a lady, a godly special lady and her family. But here is what I think the most plausible understanding of this, because this is an interesting take to the chosen lady her, and her children. I believe he was writing to a church or to the churches. Chosen lady, uh, you don't hear this much, but it would be proper grammar if you referred, if you're an alumni, let's say, of Louisiana Tech, and you said, uh, Louisiana Tech, she, she is my alma mater. Uh, First Baptist Church, you, you normally say, it is my church, but, but you could correctly say, she is my church. The, the church is called the bride of Christ, so... I believe that probably this is the best understanding that he was saying chosen lady, the church and her children, her members. Now, if, how many of you have read through the book of Revelation? And you know there's a lot of code in there, isn't there? There's a lot, for a reason, there's a lot of, a lot of things. People say, well, I read Revelation and it's not uh, easy to understand. Amen, it's not easy to understand. And there's a purpose for, uh, for some of that. And, and here, it very well may be, he was using some coded language a little bit to keep people, that persecution was heavy. So he was writing this instead of to the church at First Baptist in Ruston, Louisiana, 200 South Trenton Street. So they were going to come and decapitate me. Uh, the next day, he, he wrote with a little vagary there to the chosen lady. And the church Christians are God's chosen people today and to her members okay i hope that gives you a little help now uh I, I found that interesting i hope you did and i think to understand a little bit of the background of something is is very very important what is the main thrust of uh of this little book well we're going to look at half of it tonight and half of it next week i think it's got two big thrusts and here's the first one walk live walk and live are synonymous in the truth he was telling them, and remember, that, that's the thing. Knowing where the, the original letters were sent to is important, significant, because you can't divorce proper interpretation from context, but it's always written to the church in Ruston, too. And he tells us to walk or live in the truth. Look in verses 1 through 4. The elder to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth, not only I, but also who know the truth because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. In verse 4, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth as the Father commanded. Five times in four verses, the word truth is written. Now, if you're taking notes, here's the definition biblically of truth. And it's the same word in every spot in your, your Bible right here. It is the unveiled reality. It's not something that's veiled or hidden. It's, the, it's, the, it's what lies at the basis of or agreeing with the appearance. It's reality. It's not a shadow. It's not a type. It is reality. What is the truth it's the unveiled taking the veil off so we can see it truth it is it's what's real 
and what you can put your hands on. And maybe not literally, but figuratively, you can understand it. It is what, it, it's what really and truly is. And he says in verse 4, to walk in the truth. The word walk, again, it's synonymous with live. It means to, to preserve in something. It means to go in a certain direction, to be firm and steady. He tells us to be firm and steady in reality, in what's real and what's true. Now, folks, let me tell you something that's true tonight. A lot of us, we're walking in a lot of things, but we're not walking in the truth. We walk in lies. We walk in fantasies. We walk in others' opinions. Churches walk in, in traditions. They walk in denominations. We walk in, in self, and, and we're guided simply by the compass of our idea of reality and truth. And God says for you and me to live and walk in the truth. Now, what is truth is a, is a very important question. You remember in John chapter 18, you'll remember this story when we read it. John 18, verse 37 through 38, Jesus was fixing to be crucified. Pilate asked him, you are a king, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born. For this I came to the world to testify to what? The truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Listen to what Pilate says. What is truth, Pilate asked. How many, I mean, that is a statement since a little kid I remember. Pilate, can you just imagine this arrogant, this arrogant politician looking at Jesus and smugly saying, what is truth? We hear all the time, what is truth? 2,000 years later, the world's not changed. We still debate. People talk about what is truth. I want to read to you an, an article that this was a documentary it was a couple of years back 2010 but it's a documentary that, that they they were asking big questions of life and this particular night the question was truth the narrator asked can you define the word truth they interviewed different people in the audience they'd have them stand up one man said no but i think it's like pornography you know it when you see it i don't know about you i think i can define pornography without having to see it that guy's looking for an excuse a hindu cleric Speaking in his native tongue says, by worshiping God, you find truth. That's pretty good. I think the Hindu doesn't find the same God that we find it through, but he's, he's on to something. A toe cleric, not a T-O-E, but a T-A-O cleric, cleric, says anything that runs counter to toe will not be the truth. Well, I'm not sure about that, whether it's T-A-O or T-O-E. A musician named Bobby Gaylor said, truth is what people don't want to hear. I'd kind of agree with that, wouldn't you? This was, I thought, interesting. Alan Siegel, a professor of religion at Columbia, an Ivy League school, when someone claims, can you hear him in his professorly way, no, to know the truth, and claims to be able to tell you the truth, the first thing you should check to see if you still have your watch because he is going to be trying to take everything from you. Doesn't that sound like some goofy professor? Irvin Kirshner, the director of the Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. Only art comes close to trying to answer truth. Yeah, you write a fiction movie about aliens, and, uh, and that's truth. Here's the best answer. A 12-year-old child said, I, I think truth is what we're all searching for. Listen to this. Even though sometimes it's more fun to search for it than to actually find it. Amen? What is truth? Jesus tells us to live by truth. So here's what I want to answer to you. I want to tell you, I don't think it's arrogant and I don't think it's 
off base to tell you we can define truth. And I think it's very important. If God tells you tonight as a Christian that you need to walk in the truth, you need to know what the truth is, correct? And it's not an opinion. It's opinion is just the opposite of truth. Truth is objective and it's real. Let me tell you what the Bible says the truth is. Number one, God is truth. God is truth. Verse 2 and 3, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. In verse 3, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth. Now, as I, as I continue this, let me tell you something. Everything you and I do is based on the truth being the truth from the Bible. God's not truth. Everything we're doing here is a waste of time. But I want to tell you, God is truth. And let's start with this, God the Father. God the Father's truth. Let me just give you two verses, Titus 1-2. Titus 1-2, faith and knowledge resting on the hope of the eternal life, which God, read that, that part with me, God who does not lie. Isn't that awesome? God does not lie. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. God did this by that, by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Just leave it there. Read that with me. It is impossible for God to lie. Listen, I get irritated when I hear Christians sometimes say, well, you know, there's unknown truths out there. God's, God, He's given us, but there's things we don't know. Sure, there's things we don't know. But folks, God's not hiding something from us that contradicts who He is. God can't lie what He says He means and what He means He says. God the Father is truth. God the Son is truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, "I read this with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is truth. Jesus Christ is truth. And the Holy Spirit in John 16, we saw this this morning. But when he, read that with me, but when he, the Spirit, guides you into all truth, you can stop it there. Isn't that wonderful? Folks, in, in verse 2, go back to that. Because of this truth which lives in us, that's the Holy Spirit, and will be with us forever. Do you get a little bit of that eternal security there? Folks, what is the truth? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are truth. God is truth. God is truth. Objective, clear, black and white, truth. God is truth. I read a story this week. A man who was in Colorado, and they were skiing. And, he, and I've never been snow skiing. My wife has several times. That's only for rich and famous people. Us poor people have to stay here and work. Uh, but she, 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 uh, she, this wasn't her story, but this person who was skiing said that she was going down the mountain and she noticed something she'd never seen before, that, that a, a blind person was skiing. And they were following someone that was, that was right directly in front of them. And, and she was close enough to be able to hear them saying, left, right, slow down. We've got a, a little hill coming. Talking to them the whole way down. And the next day, she saw several blind people skiing with someone right there in front of them. And so she went and talked to them. And, and they said, well, yeah, we love this. This is great. But the key is, is your God. <laughs> your God is the way and the truth and the life down that mountain. And if they, if they mess with you or they're not honest with you, they can cost you your life. And you've got to stick close to your God because it is the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, how do you live in truth? Number one, God is truth. You, you're intimate with God. You know God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
you love Jesus and you stay close and tied in with Jesus Christ. That makes sense? God is true. Secondly, God's word is true. God, God's word is truth. Verse 4, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. God's word is truth. Again, what is truth means? It means the reality. It's not the shadow. It's not a type. It is the real deal. We saw this last week, Psalm 19, 7. The law of the Lord is what? It's perfect. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. In 2 Timothy 3, 16, it says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Folks, let me tell you where I land on this. If God breathed it, it's true. It's true. Someone asked me, do I believe the Bible? Listen, I believe from the index to the pictures to the maps at the end that it's the perfect Word of God. Now, I'm exaggerating that a little bit. But I tell you what, when I pick up the book, I, I'm picking up a book. If God breathed it, it is 110% accurate. God's Word is truth. And our, Baptist, uh, and our Baptist faith and message is kind of a, a, a Baptist statement of faith. One of the things it says about the Bible, it says our Bible is truth without any mixture of error. Did you get that? It's truth without any mixture of error. Folks, the Bible doesn't simply contain God's Word. The Bible is God's Word. Did you get that? It doesn't simply contain God. Well, God's Word's in it. God's Word is the Bible. When you pick up the Bible, you are picking up truth. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome, and that's so hugely important. Everything we do rises and falls on that, on, on it being true. There was a zoo in China that was recently shut down for a while, uh, one of their largest zoos in one of the largest provinces. That, that What had happened was the zoo was running short on money, <laughs> so they couldn't afford to keep up some of the animals. So instead of an African lion, they had a big mastiff in there, <laughs> a mastiff dog, and uh, instead, of, instead of snakes in, in the reptile area, they had some huge sea cucumbers. And after a while, people began to notice, you know, the snakes aren't moving. And, boy, that's a weird, the, the lion barks. And, uh, and, you know, the Sioux people said, hey, we just ran out of money. We couldn't do anything. This is what we had to do. Isn't it great to know when you pick up your Bible, a lion is a lion, a cucumber is a cucumber, and a snake is a snake. Amen. Listen, the Bible doesn't deceive you. God's never exhausted. God never runs out of money. God is truth, and God's word is truth. Okay, here's the third thing. To walk in truth, really love people. Really love people. God is truth. God's word is truth. How do we live this out? Number one, we really love people. In verse 5, and now, dear lady, I think, dear church, even if it was to a lady, it was certainly going to a church. I'm not writing you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. The word love there is that Greek, Greek word agape, which means a choice of the will. It means to choose to be kind, to choose to be benevolent. It, it really means that you might not like somebody very much, but you make a choice to treat them right and proper. It's not a word of emotion. It's a word of action. All people choose to love all people. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Listen to what this, uh, 1 John, I'm sorry, that's John 4. We, uh, let me write this down. You can pull those. That's the 
wrong verses. First John 4, 7 and 8, it says, Dear brothers, let us love one another, for everyone who loves has, has been born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, because listen, this is verse 8, because God is love. See, God, I said this this morning, God's not just loving God, by his very essence, is love. And to walk in the truth means we love people. We're going to sneak back to this in a moment, but to walk in the truth, you walk in love for other people. Number four, to walk in the truth, you obey God's word. Certainly this would just make sense. In verse 6, and this is love that we walk in obedience to his commands. The, the word command there means a, a degree, decree or a charge. It's a word that gives, it stresses the, the, the authority of the one giving it. Whether it's a boss, a parent to a child, it's the authority of the one giving it. It's God giving this to you and me. So it, it stresses the importance of it. You know, very simply, if God's word is truth, to walk in the truth, we have to walk in God's word. I don't want you to raise your hand or answer out loud. How much, how much time did you read your Bible last week? So I don't read well, okay. Get CDs, Bibles on CDs, Bibles on tapes. You can listen to it in your car. You can listen to it in your home. There's only 894 Bible translations. You can find one that fits. <laughs> how much time did you spend reading your Bible? Okay, how much time did you spend playing Candy Crush? Or on Facebook, or Twitter, or Instagram? How much time did you watch TV? Now let's go back, how much time did you spend in your Bible? To walk in the truth, we got to study it, we got to read it, we got to hear it, we got to memorize it, we got to do it. It's got to be in us. To, to walk in this, you got to know it. Amen or oh no? That's a, you know, a lot of churches just don't know what the Bible says. It's hard to be led by God if we don't know what the Bible says. A lot of Christians, we, we don't know what the Bible says. We, we know what we've heard it says. If you want to take my word on it, that's fine. That's a gamble on your part. To walk in the truth, we must walk in God's word. And here's the last thought, and it's a reminder, walking in the truth, you really love people. Now, some of you are saying, didn't you just say this? Yes, you weren't asleep, or you're not hearing things. Yes, I did just say this. Here's a better question. Why did God repeat this? Look in verse 6. Verse 5, he just told them, love one another. And then in verse 6, and this is love, walk in obedience, okay, obey his commands. And then the end of verse 6, as you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. How many of you believe that God would never be silly and, 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 uh, and just frivolously redundant? I don't think he would be. So there must have been a purpose that he was wanting to drive home there. Here's the purpose. The greatest evidence that you're walking in the truth is that you love people. Isn't that awesome or scary? The Let me repeat that. The greatest evidence that you know Christ and that you walk in the truth is not 
how much knowledge you have, how you can win an argument, how you can quote scripture. It's how you love people. Jesus said the greatest things are to go to Sunday school and Sunday morning and Sunday night church when he was asked, Jesus, what's the greatest thing, correct? Well, and pay your pastor well. That was the number four thing. Jesus said, love God and what? Love people. On these two things, everything else falls. Love God and love people. How many of you remember Charles Lowry? Charles Lowry's been here several times. Dr. Lowry was talking to me one time about uh, some churches he had been counseling with and trying to help. And he said, man, the, the, some of the churches, the pastors are mean to the people. Some of the people are mean to the pastor. Some they're mean to each other. And Dr. Lowry looked at me and he goes, what in the world are these, what are we doing to these people that we're turning out such mean disciples of Christ? And you have to almost laugh to keep from crying, don't you? Write this down or put it in your head. Every Bible study, maybe not each individual lesson, but, but the gist of it, Josh, youth ministry, children's ministry, WMU, uh, su Sunday morning services, Sunday night services, ultimately college ministry, uh, everything we do, if it's ultimately not helping you grow in love for other people, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Well, they go to that Bible study and they're mean as ever. <laughs> What are they doing? Well, people First Baptist, they're faithful. They go to church every Sunday, but boy, they're mean. What are we doing? The greatest evidence that we know Christ is that we love other people. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. To walk in the truth is to walk in love. I want to read to you one last article. It's about distracted walkers. This came out two years ago, but it's certainly still right on target. It, it said the, the reports of injuries to, to, to distracted walkers at hospital emergency rooms has more than quadrupled in the past seven years. This would be from 2012 to 2005 because of electronic handheld devices. <laughs> You know where this is going, don't you? Uh, a 24-year-old woman who is walking and texting uh, walked into a telephone pole. Her injury was so serious, she had to go to the emergency room. A 28-year-old man is walking along a road when he falls into a ditch while talking on his cell phone. He had to go to the emergency room. A bicyclist who is walking on his cell phone ran into, this is not funny, but I mean, you, to a 67-year-old pedestrian walking down the road. He's texting and he's riding his bike. Boom! There goes Grandpa. I mean, that's not good. A California man, listen, a California man, he's texting his boss while he's on a stroll and he nearly walks right into a 400-pound black bear. The distracted texter walks only a few feet from the bear. When he looks up, sees the bear, screams like a little girl, and drops the phone and runs for his life. And all of God's people said amen on that. We are distracted. We're distracted drivers. Isn't it scary when you pass somebody and they're... But how about life? We're distracted walkers in life, aren't we? 
We're so, listen, we're so busy. And God bless you guys. I mean, you, you, you come to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and you're trying to prioritize the right things. Keep it up. Walk it. You cannot walk in the truth by accident. You get that? It's got to be on purpose. To walk in the truth, I've got to intentionally walk with Jesus. I can't let anything distract my relationship with Jesus. I've got to, I've got to walk in God's Word. I've got to intentionally take it in and live it out, and I've got to walk in love. That takes in purpose, intention, and don't let other things distract you so that you're constantly in life bumping into things that are hurting you and other people. Walk intentionally in the truth. So here's what we need to do this evening. If you're here and you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, when we stand in a moment, you, you need to come tonight and enter into the truth. You enter into the truth by giving your life to Christ. Come and do that tonight. Maybe you're here and you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to do that. And one way you can do that when we stand is you can come and, and we'll help you join this evening. Christian, I want to encourage you. Maybe it's just where you're standing, you and God praying, or maybe at the altar, to say to God, God, I want to walk in the truth. I want to walk in reality of you and your word and of love. Choice is yours. Let's stand, and as God leads you, respond to him this evening.